Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, Paratruthers. This week's episode is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon.com forward slash Paratruth. With their help, we are continuing to bring amazing new content to our listeners every week. So if you feel the urge to donate, head on over to Patreon.com forward slash Paratruth where you can just donate only a dollar and get some amazing rewards for your donation. Again, that's paratruthradio.com forward slash paratruth. Go check it out. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when the mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And today we begin the brand new season of Paratruth with a series called Ghost Hunting 101. Justin and I have talked about this in the past, and we were actually joking about it, thinking, hey, maybe we should do a Ghost Hunting 101 (laughs) season or series, and then decided, okay, let's do it. So here we are. And I think this is going to be, I mean, I think all of our episodes are really informative, mm-hmm. but I think this one's going to be highly informative for individuals looking to get into ghost hunting, building a team, uh, researching and finding equipment to use on those investigations, uh, and ultimately the entire process of dealing with your clients and with your investigators and with your uh, evidence and things like that. So we're going to talk about everything over the next several episodes and really just try to dive it uh, deep into this. Uh, so first and foremost, before we, before we get in, this is one of those episodes where you should be asking questions if you have questions regarding ghost hunting. Mm-hmm. We're going to touch as, on as much stuff as we can, but we may not get everything. And Justin and I have been through the whole ghost hunting experience uh, with a team. Uh, we, you know, We've done it in the past, and we've been there, we've done that, we've gone through all of the, the paperwork and whatnot. So we are very well uh, educated on this matter. So if you do have any questions as we're going through, here's something we don't talk about, or maybe you just want to state an opinion or something and see what we're thinking, uh, definitely feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, our email, our website, wherever. Uh, you can pretty much find us just by Googling Paratooth Radio. Uh, but besides that, I think it's just going to be fun and you guys should hang out and relax and enjoy all the information that's going to be flowing your way. And make sure you're taking notes. Indeed. <laughs> notes are important, especially during an investigation. Absolutely. That's the one thing that, see, now that way we'll probably get into that eventually. Yeah. But that's actually one thing that's interesting to bring up because so many times, and now it's different when you're going through an EVP because you don't always know. But if you hear something on your EVP, like in in the moment, 
you should mark it not only on the AVP, but you should pull out a pad and say, okay, this is at such and such a time, so you can time fast forward right. yep. if you want, you know. Uh, so that's cue number one. But we're going to get into that in a later episode because that's far off on, on this part of one. <laughs> yeah. uh, but to begin with, we're actually going to start off with a little bit of psychology. And it depends on your definition of psychology. Oh God, right, yeah. <laughs> all, it, all I'm really saying is you want to know what your mindset is before going and creating a team and getting into ghost hunting. Uh, what do you want to do? Where, where do you want it to go? What are your goals in ghost hunting? Uh, is it educational? Is it scientific? Is it for the thrill? You know, these are the type of things you need to think about mm. uh, before hopping right into the mix of it all because it can be overwhelming. You know, you, you don't think it would be. Uh, and when you're by yourself, obviously it's pretty simple. But when you're starting to get a team uh, organized, things can get really shifty really fast, yeah. uh, especially because you have a lot of different personalities coming in and you may not always mix well. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But when we started ghost hunting, Justin, uh, when we first talked about it and decided we should do this, what was your mindset when we first decided to jump in? Uh, well, I mean, one of the biggest things for me was we had the, we had ghost hunters, we had a couple other of the paranormal shows out there. And I mean, it, it's not a good reason to start doing stuff, but I thought it would be really cool. I mean, it's not a good reason, but it was one of my reasons. The other one was I've always been curious about the paranormal, and I thought, you know, what better way to do anything with that curiosity than start a paranormal team to start doing investigations and start explaining stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. Eventually, it got to the point where, as I learned more, it was also to help people because there are situations where a haunting is not, I guess what you would call friendly. Um, Mm -hmm. it's more of a, a bad experience. So there was, there was kind of a mixture, but at first it was just, it sounded cool and I wanted to investigate the paranormal. Um, where, where was your mindset at that time? Uh, I was probably right around the same boat. You know, I was already getting into some of the demonology and stuff like that uh, before we got into the investigations. And likewise, with all the shows, you know, it was one of the back then. It was so much different than it is now because the shows are much more prominent, uh, both on the Sci-Fi Channel, um, uh, the Travel Channel, and of course the CW. When you start counting in Supernatural right. and the other numerous shows. Uh, so originally it was all about the thrill, but as you said, like once you actually, actually start getting into it and start learning the scientific background, uh, uh, things that you can do, I guess, uh, to, to prove or disprove, mm. uh, these entities, it, it became much more of an experiment, you know, because we did start catching things and, and as we caught things, you started to wonder, well, are these things real? Like what are we actually catching? Right. Uh, and then you started to, to just, disprove things and debunk things. And then I really got to throw debunking things. Cause I'm like, okay, now I can figure out, you know, and tell people, well, that's not real because of this and because right. of that. And so I started getting into the debunking side of stuff. You got, uh, you got really good at debunking. I, I was more of, I wouldn't say that I didn't debunk, but 
I wanted to believe every little thing out that you would yeah. hear or whatever just, just, it was that was that, <laughs> that proof, you know? <laughs> and that was the good balance between us because Justin would actually bring evidence like, I got this, I got this. I'm like, oh, hold on a second. Let's, <laughs> let's make sure you got this. Right. And some things we were able to debunk, but the things that you were not able to debunk, those are the things that are still like, mm-hmm. you can still think about now years later, like, oh, wow, like that still hits home. Right. Knowing that you can't debunk this and you can, I still got like some of the stuff you guys have heard it in the past episodes. I uh, can go back and listen to some of these EVPs that we caught you know, five years ago. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it's still there. And it's still as chilling as it was mm-hmm. the day I got it. Um, but, yeah, so, I, you know, I, I think it's interesting that you and I both start off in one place, but how much we changed over the course of our investigations. Uh, and as you said, you were, you became interested in helping people, which we really did. We started to help people. We started getting into residential stuff once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got into um People were owning, owning uh, establishments who needed help, yeah. you know, businesses, things like that. So we did start to take that route. Uh, and it's really interesting because it, that doesn't work for everybody. Not everybody's out to help other people. Some people are just out for the thrill. They want to catch something, which at which point I think if you're out for the thrill, you shouldn't be contacting establishments for people right. who actually want help because uh, you're wasting their time and leading them, and that's not good for you. Uh, that's how you get a bad reputation, and believe me, it will catch up to you. Um, but for people who do just want to get into the thrill of it, then that's where you start investigating uh, like like the graveyards and abandoned right. uh, grounds and things like that. I'm not saying to go walk onto abandoned property because that's <laughs> yeah. illegal for most in most places and dangerous, but you know, it, there are ways to investigate Without having to go and sign contracts, you can go to a park. Me, Justin went to Indigo Lake uh, right. in Cleveland over in Cuyahoga, uh, and that's a public park, but it's considered a haunted public park. So that was one of the things we did. We go around to all the different public haunted spots, uh, and yes, there were people around, but you can go in places where there aren't people, where you're you're more secluded and you can be one on one with your. Uh, with, with your EVP or with your camera or whatever it is that you're using. Um, so there are options out there. Well, uh, just to bring up a, an example, uh, our friend uh, John Mallard, who does Odd to Newfoundland uh, Paranormal Podcast, he when he was doing his EVP work, originally that's what he was doing, going to a cemetery by himself and just sitting there and doing his thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes that's the best way. You know, sometimes it's just nice to have that one-on-one and not worry about what other people are judging you, you know, yeah. on, on their establishments and stuff. Um, and, and that gives you the most ability to be creative and test out different things, you know, try new experiments and whatnot. Right. Uh, so, yeah, for sure. So with that said, you got your mindset. You know why you're getting into it. You more or less know your goals for Justin and I ended up being to help people. Um, but now that you have all this, you've done your little bit of research and you're investigating on your own, you decide, hey, I want to start my own team. There's other people out there with teams. It'd be nice to have a team. We can get bigger locations, split up. We can bounce ideas and evidence off each other. Mm-hmm. How do we go about doing that? And what precautions do I need to take when doing that? 
I think uh, when we started forming more of a team other than just you and I, um, it, it was a learning experience, but the way we, well, I went about doing it was posting ads on Craigslist, which I feel is probably, was probably not the greatest spot to be looking for people, but, um, that's how I kind of got started. And, you know, today Facebook and Twitter, um, are much huger than they were when we first started. So that there's another avenue um, to start looking for people and even just getting into paranormal groups like Facebook groups or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, getting to know people. I-, I would say get to know people before you even consider saying, hey, I'm putting a team together Who who's interested in joining. Right. Yeah, for sure. I uh, completely agree with that. Um, so... And then I guess that's the kind of research you need to do beforehand, you know, figure out what kind of groups you do want to join or where exactly you should be uh, placing uh, wanted signs, I guess, or wanted updates, like, for people to come and join you. Uh, but I think one of the most important things you need to do, and this doesn't – I think over the years this doesn't happen with everybody, every team. Some teams will – someone will come by and say, hey, I want to join, and boom, that's it, they're in. Right. But me and Justin actually – did a survey. We sat down. We interviewed our uh, our our, our uh, investigators. Uh, we interviewed them. We had them fill out a little questionnaire, uh, and that included all kinds of different things: uh, belief system, uh, medications they were on, past history, present history, you know, all kinds of different stuff. It was mm-hmm. everything. Um, it was as if they were applying for a job, despite the fact they weren't getting paid. Um, but I think it's very important that you do that. Because this is going to help to 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 uh, weed out the unwanted investigators mm-hmm. on your team that you don't want to see. And of course, it doesn't work always. And Justin and I have experienced that. You can do all <laughs> the weeding you can and all the questionnaires, and somehow they still find a way past. Uh, but nonetheless, I think building a a, a questionnaire. Doing a nice little interview, always meeting in public. Never want to meet in a private place or a secluded area because you never know who you're going to talk to or who's joining you. Yes, they may be nice and cool on Facebook or Craigslist or wherever you're picking them up from, but they can be vastly different in person. So always do meet up in a public place. Justin and I always met uh, our investigators at uh, Starbucks, Mm -hmm. Uh, one particular Starbucks. Right. (laughs) So. You know, there's people around, you can feel safer, and especially for women out there, you know, if you're looking to build a team and you're meeting up with men uh, to join the team, definitely in a public space uh, where you can feel relaxed. Uh, and if you do have another team member, bring them with you. Then, you know, don't do it alone, unless, of course, you are a lone wolf. Uh, then, yeah, I guess you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> but Well, one thing that I do have to say is I, it, I think it was kind of a mistake on our part was, if you want to start a team, you should probably be a part of it, like join a team first before you try and start your own so that you can learn the ins and outs and do's and don'ts of of just like, for example, getting people to join, let alone how you do things. Mm-hmm. Because we based our, our uh, knowledge off of Ghost Hunters, Supernatural, those, those shows that we watched. 
Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we definitely learned on the fly, that's for sure. Uh, and if you knew our team, you can see the results of that eventually. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was all good at the beginning, but things did start to go south. And that's when personalities stopped mixing very well. Um, you know, people giving away information they shouldn't have been giving away, uh, exposing evidence before actually reviewing the evidence uh, in a controlled setting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so, so there is a lot of things that you really need to take care of and precautions in this case when building a team. Uh, and, yeah, you should know. And that comes with, like, you could do the research. You can look it up online and learn, you know, how people have built teams and yeah. you know, what kind of, you know, paths they took. To, to doing such. I, I think the biggest thing, even if you don't join a team and, and again, today in today's day and age where it was a little bit different for us, like if we were to Google something in 2008, 2009, when we started, we wouldn't have come up with as much research as for like, for example, how, how do you start a ghost hunting team? Not too many people were giving out information at that time. Um, compared to today where there's probably 20 blogs that you can look up how to put it together a, a paranormal team. And, um, I, I think the biggest thing is to, is not just do a survey, but meet with these people several times before you say, okay, you can join. Um, but also lay down the ground rules. Hey, we have to all be on the same page. You know, we can't have, I mean, you can have difference of opinion, of course, but y'all have to be on the same page at the very end of the day and be like, like Eric brought up people giving, uh, evidence, even though nobody has had a chance to go over it and bringing it to the client. Y'all got to be on that same page of this is how we do stuff. No arguments, if, ands, or buts. This is how it's done. Mm hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. Uh, it's very important to to always have the same mindset when going into an investigation. You know, if you're there to debunk stuff, everyone should be there to debunk stuff. If you're there to find stuff, everyone should be there to find stuff. If you're there to help somebody, everyone should be there to help somebody. Uh, you know, you really need to to be together on this, like in a sense, be one when you're going into this, because otherwise, you're going to be so just. Everywhere, your evidence is going to be, you know, in so many different places, want to go different places. Uh, there's going to be different views of opinion on these, on the evidence and you'll start arguing over what the truth is. So yeah, you know, you need to build a team that's more or less like your family who's going to agree or even if they don't, they'll disagree respectfully. Uh, and hopefully provide the right evidence uh, to support their theory regarding whatever it is you guys caught, right. uh, on whatever device you're using. So one thing we were talking about was the questionnaire, and you had mentioned we asked them, you know, what type of medications do they take, uh, any past history. Um, we kind of worded it where it was directed towards mental health problems, um, mm-hmm. but also health problems in general. How important do you think is it that people are asking about mental health when they're they're doing interviews for somebody wanting to join a team. You know, I think it's super important. Uh, and obviously people are going to have different views on that, especially those who do have a mental health issue. And I'm not saying it's, you know, a crazy mental health issue that can be life-threatening, but if there is, they should warn you so you know. 
Um, but it could be depression. It could be, you know, OCD, no matter what kind it is. It could be anxiety. It could be, you know, whatever. There's so many different mental uh, disabilities out there. Um, and I think it's super important because one, it'll help you determine whether or not what they're seeing in the field is legitimate or if it can be questioned. Uh, someone who's schizophrenic, for example, may see things or hallucinate things that aren't there. And you need to be careful because they're, uh, I guess what they view may not correspond with the truth of whatever evidence you catch. And you can be misleading at that point. Uh, and it can help mislead the evidence too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, even if they, I mean, I'm not saying if someone has schizophrenia, you shouldn't let them on their team. Because there are people who have schizophrenia, are on medication, and they're perfectly fine. Every, they're normal. You know, it's not a big problem. Uh, but that's when asking about medications comes in. Are you on medication? Uh, is this uh, consistent? Are you on it consistently? You know, things like that. Um, but also, it's a way to protect yourself as well. Because mm-hmm. if there is someone who has a disorder uh, that could be threatening, uh, bipolar disorder, for example, I mean, people could become very angry. Um, you know, you want to be very careful with that. Uh, some people have anger management issues. You want to be cautious with that. You don't want those kind of people on your team. Um, unless they're able to control it on medication to help control it, you know, things like that. So yeah, I think it's very important to understand the mental stability of, uh, your investigators. And I think it's fair if they ask, because as the leader of, an, of a team, you don't have to say any, anything or do anything. But if they ask, I think it's fair to go ahead and let them know about yourself, too. You know, if they ask, like, well, do you have anything? Because it should be a two-way street. Right. Uh, that's not saying you need to fill out a form, too. Because right, you're, the leader. Your team, right? you're hiring them, in a sense. <laughs> you know, it's your team. But if they ask, you should be straightforward, because it is a fair it is fair, you know, and you want that two-way street because it'll help open uh, that gate for the two of you or you, however many of you there are in the team and help you all feel very calm and relaxed around each other and want to work together. Right. Uh, as soon as you start hiding stuff and that something comes out that you were hiding, which is what happened on, with one of our teammates, somebody was hiding something and told us and it just, needless to say, we kicked them out of the team because of it. <laughs> But you know, it's causes trouble. There, there's strife there, and you need to be very careful of all of that. So. Yeah. Well, I think it's a very good point. Just because they have a mental illness does not mean you don't have to bring them on the team. And uh, in general, not even just with schizophrenics, but in general, you should always be like if somebody does see something you have to find a correlation or that evidence is not evidence at all it's an experience and it it's basically thrown out for the most part yeah you can share it with your with your clients if you're doing a business or a home but um, yeah. same time if somebody is a schizophrenic just because they saw something doesn't mean it was part of their mental disorder but you have to make sure that you're correlating it with other experiences or other evidence to show that that was a significant piece of the puzzle. Right. Now that you've got a team together, one thing that I think is important, and Eric, you can be against me or, or agree, um, I think even if, say, for example, you decide your goal is you want to help people, but 
I feel doing the investigations of what you would call the thrill seeker people of going to a haunted lake like we had done or a cemetery or something. Um, I, I think that's really important to do so that you can kind of experience things and start getting evidence to go through evidence where you're not going to be giving it to a client um, so that you can learn, okay, we really have to do this or do that. Make sure the EVP is at least clear enough that you can tell that it's an EVP and not somebody else talking in the background or a you take a picture and it's not a tree that's in an office that looks like a skeleton man or <laughs> <laughs> and Eric knows what I'm talking about you guys do too because we talked about it on there um, but do you think that, that that's an important key to, to start out that way? Yeah, I, I mean actually I think that's a great point. Uh as with everything that we do in life, or at least the majority, when you when you're when you're learning something, is you should practice it. So going through your EVPs, you know, doing EVP sessions, going through them, trying to find things will help you tune your ears to the EVP, to the white noise, and help you find things in there. Because when you're first starting out, you may listen and listen and listen and not hear anything, but as you listen more over the months and years and etc you'll start to pick up new things. Your ears will start to actually enhance on those little tidbits of information coming in, and you'll hear that whisper that no one else hears. Uh, and once you amp it up in your post, uh, sorry, in your computer, I use slang because of the film world. Sorry, guys. But when you <laughs> <laughs> post is not the correct term here, but it is, but it just isn't. <laughs> so, uh, But when you put it in your computer, you can then amp it up and really hear that whisper. Um, on top of that, it'll help you to get a better understanding of yourself in situations where you may be scared. Uh, cause there are moments in investigating where I don't care how brave you are. You'll get those goosebumps. You'll get those nerves. You'll feel something if there's something there. Um, and being aware of your body and your mind is really important on an investigation because those are good cues to tune into. And know what is rational and what is irrational when feeling the differences within your mind and within your body. You know, is it, is the fear rational or is it irrational? Is that cold spot real or is it not real? Is that just you being cold or is it actually an external substance that's making you cold? And what is that external substance? You know, and it allow you to do that kind of thing. Uh, so it is very important to, to, to get out there ahead of time. Practice, 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 do your research, practice some more, and then eventually when you feel calm and strong about it, go ahead and do you, you know, build your team, do the investigations, and you should be pretty good. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, that when taking pictures, you should take pictures and then try to debunk all the photos that look suspicious. Right. Go online and look at photos, in fact. Go online and find photos of whatever's considered paranormal. And try to debunk those photos. And there's a number of different ways you can do that. And we can get into that once we get into the whole uh, evidence section and of the series. And that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. talk about how to debunk that stuff or how to go about debunking. Um, but those are things you definitely should practice. And as you get better at it, it'll become easier. You know, there's things where, you know, Justin will send me something every once in a while. Something that somebody posted. He's like, hey, is this real? 
and it takes me like 10 minutes to be like, no, it's not real. Or I don't know. If I say I don't know, then that's pretty, pretty solid. And <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is. But, you know, well, yeah, if, if you can no, debunk it, then obviously it's, it's questionable at best, but you can't say yes, it's absolute evidence. Right. I'll never say yes, but no is highly possible for me. And I don't know is somewhat more rare, but it's, <laughs> it's there. Um, well, you've also had the training though, too. Well, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, like as you, but anyone could do it. Like you, you don't need just, you know, learn from like what I know, you know, like be trained the way I was trained or whatever. Um, and understand the different aspect ratios of cameras and film and right. how to use different color grades in order to figure out whether or not something was placed there prior to the shot or after the shot. Um, I'm just saying that's why you were able to do it so quickly. I mean, oh, most, yeah, most yeah. ghost hunters, they should be taking their time to actually do stuff like that compared to you, you know what to look for and you you know the programs to put the f- different filters or take the filters out or whatever to, to do that where most wouldn't. So they should be taking their time. Right. For sure. And you should always take your time with that stuff. Uh, and if you have to take a lot of time mm. because there have been moments where Justin and I didn't take a lot of time and <laughs> it came back on us. So yeah, always be sure to take your time and you should be just fine. It should all be just fine. All right, folks, I think we're going to take our break here. You're listening to Paratruth Radio right here at paratruthradio.com. We will be right back right after this. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. This episode is brought to you by audible.com. If you like listening to beautiful voices like ours instead of reading words, then head on over to Audible where you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash paratruth, where you can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. What's up, folks? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have started a series called Ghost Hunting 101. In this episode, we've been talking about uh, how to establish a team, how to go about your research uh, when starting an investigation, where your mindset should be when starting up on ghost hunting, uh, what type of questions you should ask in your questionnaires when hiring people onto your team, uh, types of practices that you should go through uh, as you build your skills as a ghost hunter. Uh, we've talked about a lot of things, actually, a lot more than I thought we would talk about, to be honest. <laughs> 
But before we move on, is there anything else you want to add on to the previous discussions that we've had leading up to this moment of break? Um, the only thing I would say is, uh, just I'm, other than just going by what we're saying, make sure you guys are doing the research on how to build a team or how to do an investigation or that sort of a thing. Don't just go by what we're saying. Do the research yourself because th- just because we've said it doesn't mean, to be pr- perfectly honest, Eric and I have been out of the paranormal investigation situation for quite a while. I mean, we'll do an investigation here or there, but um, there's probably a lot of stuff today that was not able to be learned or could be improved upon when we were doing it almost on a, what you would call full-time basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree with that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, just research. It's always going down to research. I think with everything we talk about, <laughs> it's all about research. Um, but that, I think that's all we have for our first episode of 101. But let's talk a little bit about some of the things we're going to get into over Actually, the next few weeks. I do have a question else? for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. The the one thing that I don't think we really did um, that I think might be kind of important is: Do you think it's a good idea to have uh, assign people different jobs? Like, for example, have somebody do uh-huh. specifically pictures. Diff- people do specifically listening to EVPs. Um, somebody doing the actual research on the uh, location before the team goes there. Do you think that's an, an important role there? Uh, I do actually. Yeah, I think that is an important role. Um, so there's, there's a number of different ways that you can go about this and it really depends on how big your team is. You know, obviously the bigger the team, the more you can spread out uh, the, the different the responsibilities, right? Right. So, Obviously, when you're investigating, you're likely, now you don't have to, but you're likely going to have a couple of cameras set up throughout the area that you're filming. And they'll be set up and filming on their own. And then you'll also have cameras that you'll be carrying. Not mm-hmm. necessarily video cameras, but they can be, you know, the, the ones that you set up should be video, most likely right. with IR lights, uh, that's infrared lights, uh, or uh, full spectrum lights. Uh, slash cameras, however you want to go out there, because they actually make cameras that are full spectrum now, right. but you can also buy a full spectrum light. Um, and then you also carry your little snapshot cameras. Uh, you don't necessarily need a video camera as you're walking around if you have other cameras set up. Uh, but I think it would be strong if, yeah, you have one or two people with cameras at all times, and then you have somebody else with their voice boxes or their EVPs, uh, that it, I keep saying EVPs, but your digital recorders, basically. Uh, you have somebody with that. And actually, when it comes to reviewing evidence, I think it's really important to have two people because the evidence collected is going to be a lot, especially if you, the more people you have, the more evidence you're going to collect. So having at least two people go through evidence together would be significant, and they can cut it in half and each take a shot aside. Uh, you know, one could take the first half of the night and the other could take the second half and then they can exchange notes afterwards. So you're saying like two people do, do listening to the EVPs, two people doing the research on the pictures or looking at the pictures and trying to debunk or whatever, that sort of thing? I think, well, so when it comes to reviewing evidence, 
Yeah, that's kind of more is what I'm trying to to get your opinion. So you're just on regarding the okay, focusing on okay. Yeah. I hear you. Now. So focusing on evidence, I think you only really need two people to go over everything. You don't need it more than two. Uh, so you don't actually need two people for EVPs. You don't need plus two people for cameras, plus two people for this. Two people who can listen to EVPs can also go through camera footage at the same time, as long as there's no audio on it. So you got snapshots. Let them go through all the pictures, all the stills, as they're listening, because they can multitask. Um, and then after they're done with that, they can go back and do, you know, review any video evidence that we that they have or that they picked up. So obviously it's going to take uh, several days, two to three days probably to do it, maybe a little bit longer depending on if you're working full time or part time or whatever you're doing. Uh, well, I think you made a very good point is to take your time, even if it takes a week. I mean, yeah, yeah you don't want to do that, but if it takes a week well, to do the, the research into the evidence, then do that because you have to bring the as much um, evidence that you can correlate and and understand that it was something other than somebody in the background or a picture of a tree, like I said. Um, yeah. Well, and, and you know what, though? It's, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a week, especially, I hate to use the word amateurs, but for those of us who aren't getting paid to investigate, you know, you don't need I feel every every team it shouldn't you shouldn't be pay, uh, asking for people to pay you to do right. an investigation, but right. Um, you know, you often see on TV like these guys, ghost adventures, ghost hunters, whoever, are like flying through evidence, you know, because mm-hmm. it's TV. You know, you get it on in an hour, and maybe it takes them only a couple of days. And I'll tell you, it probably does take them a day max to get through all the evidence. But the investigators are not the ones who are actually going through the evidence. I can almost guarantee that for most of them. They have people who are working behind the scenes who may not even be a part of the team. They're part of the show going to invest through all the evidence. Uh, and you have multiple people. So, of course, that stuff's going to get done because these shows are usually shot within a week. And depending on where they are in the season, it can take them anywhere from one week to about one month to get those episodes up and aired. Which is they gotta go through the whole editing process, uh, get all the audio done right, all the coloring, all that stuff uh, for TV. So it's actually moving a whole lot faster than it would if it was real life, you know, mm-hmm. what you and I do. So that's something to be, take um, care of remembering. If it takes you a week to go through evidence, you shouldn't be upset about that. It's a good thing because it'll allow you to focus, it'll allow you to get it done. And quite honestly, Again, you're not getting paid. If you're doing an investigation for somebody and they're paying you to get it done within a day or two, take a week. Mm-hmm. That's fine. No one's going to come back. I highly doubt someone's going to come back on you and say, well, hey, where's my evidence? It's been 24 hours. So well, also be honest and be like and tell them, hey, this can take up to a week, maybe more. I will try and get it to you as, as quickly as I can, but I want it to be thorough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, definitely. I mean, there, there's nothing to worry about there, I don't think. Okay, that's all I had. Okay. So, now that we've talked about everything, 
in this first segment here regarding the beginnings of an investigator. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what to look forward to in the coming episodes, in the coming weeks of this series of Ghost Hunting 101. Uh, so, Justin, I'm going to hand it off to you just to mention one or two things that we're going to begin with, and I can take over from there. Sure. Um, well, well, I mean, biggest thing other than starting a team and, and forming a team is your equipment. What do you use? What don't you use? Uh, and I think Eric and I have had a good experience with what what to use and what not to use, and there will be people that will argue that what we say don't use will will say no, that's absolutely not true. That piece of equipment is one hundred percent reliable on getting evidence. So it's also up to people's interpretations and opinions as to what equipment works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other thing that uh, we can really touch base on is. Uh, I mean, and we've kind of already talked about it, but researching stuff, researching the location, researching the the different uh, things that are happening in in the home or business. So I think we can get really in depth with with those two things in particular. Yeah, and and going into that, like the whole research thing, it'll will also tack on in that same episode. Uh, how to research your clients and how right. to also make them fill out very similar uh, questionnaires that you would have your investigators fill out when they first join your team. Right. Uh, so we'll get into all of that. Uh, another thing we're going to discuss over the next couple of weeks, uh, and for the most part, I think this is all kind of going to happen in this order that we're saying it. Uh, <laughs> I think it, that's a good chronological order because... Before you can do anything, you need a team, then you need your equipment, then you can start doing investigations. Right. <laughs> and then after your investigations, of course, you have your evidence. And we're going to talk about how to go through your evidence, uh, the types of software you can use to go through to go through all of your evidence. And it's going to be software for all of your camera stuff, your video stuff, your stills, and, of course, your audio evidence. There's different types of software for each one. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about different ways that you can go about debunking some of the things that you get, uh, especially in terms of photos. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about all of that stuff, or I say a little bit, but we're going to try to talk about a lot of it for you guys. (laughs) Um, but you know, we'll see how it goes. And then I think that would pretty much lead us up to our final episode of, uh, episode five or something like that which will just allow us to accumulate everything into one episode and kind of settle everything down, you know, just discuss where you go from there. Now that you've built your team, you've got your equipment, you started doing investigations, you're debunking stuff and uh, going through evidence. Now what, you know, mm-hmm. where, where do you go? And that's going to be the final thing I think that we talk about for the series um, before moving on to the next. Yeah, and I think that uh, a lot of people will, like I said, I think a lot of people will disagree or agree depending on what we say because everybody does something different. I wish there was a Mm -hmm. uniform way to form your team. Like, I wish there was a paranormal investigation union and everybody (laughs) had to follow a set rule, but everybody does do things differently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. but uh, that's where personalities personalities come in. 
and just simple opinions. Some things work for some people, some things not for others. And it's just the way it is, you know. That's a, I think, but that is a good thing about it is there is no real right or wrong way to go about your investigations unless you're being a jerk, at which point you don't deserve to be out there anyway. But, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what type of evidence you use. And, again, it depends on what you're using to try to catch evidence. You know, if you're going in there with uh, pentagrams and, like, cutting birds' heads off and things like I mean, draining squirrels, you know, <laughs> obviously that's a bad thing to do to try to collect evidence, guys. <laughs> I, I, I think that's that. I think that's to get activity so that you can't get evidence when you do those. That's things. what I'm saying. Like, don't be doing that because one, people don't want that crap on their on, on their property. Right. <laughs> Two, you're opening doors that you can't shut once you start doing that. And three, these are poor little animals who aren't ready to die, <laughs> just living their lives. Okay, so don't be hurting squirrels and birds or cats or rabbits <laughs> or anything else that. People sacrifice, um, and of course, no people sacrificing. Okay, no human sacrifice. That's just that would be yeah. That's, that would be that, that, that makes you serial killer, and you know that's a whole different thing for another series. <laughs> anyway, after that rabbit trail, yeah. um, and people are going to be like, okay, we can't listen to this series. We're talking about serial killers. This is yeah. Like, where did this go? Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so once we get to that fifth and final episode, we will fill you guys in as to what the next series is. And as always, uh, per season, we're going to have a theme and this theme obviously is ghost hunting since we're beginning with ghost hunting 101. So look forward to more ghostly stuff in the following series after this one. Uh, yeah. but until then, as Justin said, take notes and Justin, I'm going to leave it off to you, man. All right. Well, make sure you guys are following us, subscribing, and uh, sharing everywhere that you listen to the show. Uh, if, if you're on a uh, podcast site and they allow you to rate the show, definitely give us a rating. I don't care if it's a one star or a five star because how are we supposed to grow if you guys don't tell us what you guys truly think? Um, and you can find us on TMV Cafe. Fringe Radio Network and Conflict Radio, as well as ParatruthRadio.com. Um, I did want to announce that we did leave Paranormal UK Radio Network just because of uh, personal differences as far as being able to give them what they wanted. And I think it was a good idea on both sides because we couldn't provide the, the different things that they were wanting us to do. So, no longer on Paranormal UK Radio Network, but you can find us on those other networks as well as any podcast catcher, pod catcher, and uh, as always, paratruthradio.com. So until next week, folks, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace.
Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional Book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!